Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. So if we haven't met, my name is Willie, and uh, Michael mentioned I'm the pastoral apprentice here at the 180, so I started in August, and so I've met most of you by now, and I'm just, yeah, really happy to be able to, to be with you, especially at New Year's Eve, and I just want to say, you know, thanks for being here on New Year's Eve, you know, it's a, it's a busy time, there's lots of family stuff going on, just lots of, lots of activity and travel, and we're just really thankful that you took the time to be here with us, to, to seek God and to worship God. Um, now, I don't know about you guys, I don't know if, uh, uh, if you guys send out Christmas cards, Uh, in our family, we do. And one of the great things that happens when you send out a Christmas card is that often you get Christmas cards back. So we got a whole bunch of whack of Christmas cards with beautiful pictures of our family. And coming on the slide, you'll see probably my favorite one from this year because one half of it, you know, there's a picture of, you know, a family with their two kids and their dog. And then the other side of it, I don't know if that can come up in just a second because it, it really pulls it together. Um, it says, our real life looks nothing like this. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> And, you know, when I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's the best card of the year, right? Because you know, obviously you want to remember the really good things that happened in a year, but let's be honest, right? Your, your picture, your life doesn't look like the Christmas photo. Although I'm sure the dog is probably as happy every day of the year. Um, but, you know, the other thing, you know, people will kind of send a card, but they also send a letter kind of just sharing, hey, here's what happened in the year, and some of the highlights and the lowlights. And I love those letters, too. I think it's actually just a really good practice, a good maybe discipline to... Try to, try to write out your whole year in one page and just say, well, what actually happened this year? And, and to, to share it with people or to just put it in a place where you can remember year on year what's happened, you know, you know what has changed. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's just a good discipline to kind of consolidate what you've learned and what's happened in, in the past year. Um, now, if you're here for the first time visiting family or, or just, just, just visiting friends here, I just want to say welcome. But you may be wondering, so what does a church do on New Year's Eve? Right? How, what, what happens on New Year's Eve at church? Because if, if you know all the major Christian holidays, there's things like Christmas and Easter and, and these different days that kind of mark the life of Jesus and help us remember how his life transforms our life. But New Year's Eve is kind of, a, kind of thrown in there a bit. And I had a chance to kind of look at it, and actually New Year's Eve has been really important at different points during Christian history. There's actually some people called the Moravians back in uh, the 1600s in Germany. And they would spend, you know, the whole New Year's Eve, the whole evening, right up to midnight into the new year, just praying and seeking God and, and trying to, you know, look over over the past year, but also kind of commit to the upcoming year to, to seek after God in the upcoming year. And, you know, that, that kind of tradition of having annual practices or annual festivals that, that would be celebrated together as a community, that goes all the way back to, to the Old Testament, you know, to the time of, of, the, of Israel, to the time of the, of the Jewish people. And they had just an annual rhythm of, of different festivals, and uh, particularly festivals where they would travel up three times a year at, for, for three different festivals to travel up to Jerusalem. And the most important one was actually 
was actually Passover, which kind of marked roughly kind of the beginning of their, not their legal year, but the beginning of kind of their, their religious year. That that was the first big event in the year. And so at that time of the year, everybody who could would, uh, would make the journey up to, up to Jerusalem. Uh, really, it'd be almost a pilgrimage. Um, and it, for some of them, you know, if they, if they live far away, it'd be a, tra- a journey of two, three, maybe four days of, of walking, you know, with, with all your kids, with your grandparents, with, with whoever could make the journey. It'd just like be this epic, epic journey to, just to get to worship. I don't know if you can imagine that, right? Like a, a three-day walk or a two-day walk to get to church, right? I, I think we'd have a smaller gathering here today, right? If, if, it, was, if it was that much. Um, but when I hear about that, I just kinda, it makes me kind of ask a question. I'm like, well, what did they see that made it worth it to pursue God in that way? What did they see in, in, in how they lived their lives? They'd seen God do good things for them or, or that they longed just to see more of God. I really wonder what was, what was in their hearts and what were they considering? What challenges were they facing that they just desired to know God more and more? Um, and actually, the Bible kind of gives us a glimpse into what it was like to make that journey to Jerusalem in a section of the Psalms called the Psalms of Ascent, the Psalms or the Songs of Ascent. And if you, uh, if you look in your Bible, it'll be uh, in the book of Psalms, Psalm number 120 to 134, so 15 Psalms. They'll be marked in your Bible maybe as Psalms of Ascent, or if your Bible's more explicit, it'll say the, the songs the pilgrims sang as they went to Jerusalem, just to be really clear about what it's about. And, you know, there's kind of 15 uh, 15 songs that people would sing maybe on the road just to encourage each other, to kind of orient their hearts, to, to, to say, hey, this is what we're doing, this is why it's worth it. And I kind of want to, well, I don't have time to go through all 15 of them, but I kind of want to take uh, just little pieces of them and hopefully paint a picture of what these psalms would do for people as they were singing them. Because I think they kind of provide a story of saying, hey, this is where we're from. They give orientation about this is where we're going. But they also give consolation, right? This is how we keep going when it goes wrong. And so that's what we're kind of going to look at today. Um, and I think just, you know, these Psalms of Ascent, they're just kind of a great and simple way to kind of join in on, you know, over 3,000 years of, of heritage of people just seeking to know God. You know, even as we thought the, the final song we sang, it talked about God's blessings being for a, a generation upon generation for, for hundreds of years. And, and with these Psalms, we kind of join in on something that's gone on for thousands of years. And actually, in just a simple way, uh, my family and I, we, I have an audio Bible, and so I, I played the Psalms of Ascent just on my drive to church. And, you know, it's not the same, right? I'm not walking through a desert for two days. I am sitting in a heated, with a, on a car with a heating steering wheel, a heated seat. You know, I'm comfortable. It's good. But even that little bit, it takes about 20 minutes to, to listen to them. And even that little bit kind of helps help me kind of open my eyes and say, hey, this is what it means to move towards seeking after God. So let, let's get into it here. So in the first place, the Psalms of Ascent, they kind of help tell our story, tell us and help us know how to tell our own story, where, where we've come from. So we'll, the first place we'll look is at uh, Psalm 124 and just try to think of how do we tell the story of our year. So in Psalm 124, it says, If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, If the Lord had not been on our side, when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive. When their anger flared against us, the flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. 
So you can see, you know, in their prayers, they're kind of telling, learning to tell the story of their life with a lot of real honesty, right? You can tell whoever wrote this psalm, but then whoever continues to sing it and to share it, they recognize that things in their past weren't always good, right? They were honest that when they were in trouble, they were in deep trouble, right? I think sometimes when we've had gone through something hard, afterwards we're like, ah, it wasn't that bad, you know, I'm tough enough, I could handle it, I got through it just fine. But they're like, no, like, I was, I was freaking out, I thought we were going to die, right? And I think when we're honest about how hard things have been in the past, we, it kind of helps us be more realistic about what's going to happen next, right? The next time we get ourselves into trouble, we're like, wait a second, I've been this scared before, and God carried me through that, right? Because that's what they say, right? Kind of their anchor. It says, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side, right? They had gone through this terrible trouble of people attacking them, of seeing people angry at them, natural disaster of floods and torrents and raging waters. But God was on their side. He carried them through that. And, you know, nowadays we think of Israel, we think of maybe the nation state or, or the people of Israel. But, you know, originally Israel was a person, right? Israel was an, is a name, a new name, for a man named Jacob, right? And God chose Jacob to become a nation. So initially, he made a promise to Jacob. He said, from your family, from your children, there will be a nation. And, and in, as he made that promise, he renamed Jacob to be Israel. So when you think of Israel, you've got to think of, it's not just a, a people group, but it, originally it was just one person and one family. And the people of Israel, the people that kind of look back and they say, you know what, God made promises to our ancestor, and and God was faithful to those promises. And now we saw trouble, there was floods, there was torrents, there was anger, there was destruction, but God was faithful. And so they look back and they can say, you know what, we're here because God is faithful. God keeps his promises. And of course, I talked about they would sing these songs as they were going to celebrate Passover. And Passover was one of the, the great celebrations because they would remember how God had set them free from slavery and oppression in Egypt. So that'd be one of the, one of the things in their mind. But, you know, even if, they, if you read this psalm specifically, it's not really talking about that one thing of Passover. It's talking about a few different things, right? It's, and Bible scholars are like, they're not sure if there's a specific incident it refers to from, from, that we know in Scripture. <clears throat> but it talks about, you know, that there was a war maybe, or there was just anger in society that was, people felt crushed by, or there was a natural disaster, a flood. And so this maybe isn't the story of the entire nation, but it's the story of maybe one person, or one family saying, you know what, if God hadn't been with me, I would have been, I would have been wiped out. You know? And so it's not just the, the stories that everyone knows, but it's kind of a duty for us to share, even when it was just, just our family that was, that was rescued, or it was just, just me that, that was rescued, that we can share that to bring encouragement, and really, not just encouragement, but really bring courage to those around us. Um, here's maybe one way I've seen it in my own life. I don't know if you guys know the comedian Jim Gaffigan, but he describes having a lot of kids this way. He says, it's like you're drowning, and then somebody gives you a baby. Um, now, I only have three kids, so it's, we're not drowning, but the water's always about this high. We've got three boys, and the water, we were just kind of, you know, we're kind of treading water a bit every day of the week. And, you know, with, with our three boys, we've kind of we got like a frequent flyer plan with a local emergency room. Um, and we've kind of learned, like, you, there has to be not just blood, but a lot of blood. Like, you, know, you don't go for sniffles. Like, you've got to be really sick for us to disrupt our day or our week to get to the emergency room and wait there for three to 18 hours to, to see someone and then, you know, all, all the rigmarole with that. So this February, actually, uh, Jess, she was starting to feel sick. So we started on our, our routine, right, which is take a Tylenol, take a nap, just 
just wait it out. But it so happened that uh, as she was, wasn't feeling well, she had another doctor's appointment anyways. She went to the doctor. He said, you know, I got this pain in my side, and it really, really hurts. And the doctor took a minute to look at her. He said, she said, oh, yeah, the pain is appendicitis. You do have to go to the emergency room right away. And, you know, so she went and got treated. It took a little bit of time, but had good care all the way through. And I remember my friends coming, coming by, like, brought us a meal and just check in on me, taking care of all the boys. And they're like, how are you doing? Like, this is crazy. What's going on? And even in the moment, I was like, you know what? I mean, it's, it's frustrating and it's painful for Jess. But it, and it was hard for us as, as the rest of the family kind of keep things going. But the whole time, we just felt like, you know what? We just dodged a bullet because, you know, if we had to just kind of kept going the way we were and just like take a Tylenol, try to sleep it off, try to rest, it, would, it wouldn't have just been like a doctor saying, oh, just drive yourself to the emergency room, right? We would have pushed it until it was a crisis. And because the doctor came in time, because, because Jess was able to get to the hospital in time, it was a little bit more stressful, but it didn't blow us out of the water, right? Um, and, you know, so we need, but those stories, you know, that's how we got through February, right? And that's just one month out of our entire year. We saw kind of God provide in just this little way of a diagnosis at the right time, and that saved our butts, um, right? The warning came in time, and we were okay. And I think there's this invitation then to to collectively share these things, right? When we see God take care of us, we have to share it with one another so that people can, be, can have courage for when they face the next hard thing, the next difficult thing, right? The more we can say, I wouldn't have made it without God's help, and the more people realize that, hey, I can depend on God too. So that's kind of our story, right? We've, we've gone through hard times, but God has taken care of us at different times. The next thing I think we see in the Psalms of Ascent is orientation, right? It tells us where we're going. Where, where am I going next, right? What's the direction that I'm going? Because, um, right, New Year's, time, New Year's is kind of a time to look back, but obviously we try to look forward and kind of make commitments and make plans for the upcoming year. Um, you know, obviously, New Year's time for new things. It's time for, for New Year's resolutions. And I'm not convinced New Year's or January 1st is a great time for resolutions, you know, because uh, sometimes you, know, you make a resolution, or I, 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 this happened to me. I will just share this, be honest. I won't, I won't hide it at all. But when I was in university, I was like, you know what? I want to get in better shape. And I would see people, like, going out for a run in the winter. I was like, okay, people do that. That's a thing that you can do. And I don't know if there's any runners in the church. And, I mean, hats off to you if you run all year long. But I was like, okay, well, somebody, people can do this. I'm going to take up running. So I took up, I was like, I committed myself to running three times a week and started in January. So you can guess how it went. Right? I did it the first time. I think I did it the second time. And after the third time, I said, no. No, like it's dark. It's cold. I'm miserable. I don't want to, this is not, I'm not doing it. And, and it just ended. Um, so maybe, you know, I think my optimism or my desire for something new, it just ran into January, right? It ran into reality. And, you know, what... I, I, we, we need something else to actually get through, get, to get towards the future, right? Not just an optimistic, oh, I think I can make this work. But we have to have things and ideas that are grounded in reality. And here's how the kind of the Psalms of Ascent, they orient us towards a reality to ground us for our next steps. In Psalm 130, it says, starting in verse 5, it says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him it is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. So there's an important word in there, right? It talks about 
what I want to, what we can see here is talking about hope, right? It's, it's inviting us to put our hope in God, put our hope in that, that God cares for us, that he's watching out for us, and that he loves us. Um, you know, and at the 180 earlier this year, we kind of had a series, we talked about the values of the church, and one of the values we talked about was hope, right? And so hope, as we remember, it's not just kind of like a, an optimism or a warm kind of fuzzy feeling or, or, a, or a good vibe about the future. No, hope is really grounded in who God is and that God, God actually does care, and it's grounded in his promises. So it's not, it's not just, oh, I hope, I, I think it'll work out if we try this. No, it's, it's knowledge that God is going to care for us. He's going he's gonna to lead us through what's happening. And it's, it's, it's reality, right? It's not just something invented, but it's something that's real and concrete. Um, and, and it's something we can, we, can, we can plan and set our lives on. I wonder if we could maybe take the pulse of our hope uh, over the past few weeks, you know? Um, like, in the past few months, have, have, have our conversations been, been marked by hopefulness, hopefulness that, that God would work even, you know, what I think of is the, you know, the teacher strike and the healthcare worker strike, you know, as you had conversations with neighbors and coworkers about the strike as it was going on, as a Christian, were the things that you shared different from the people around you? Were they marked by maybe not cynicism or, or just kind of being blasé or burned out? But was there, was there a hope that you brought in your conversations that maybe other people wouldn't have? Um, yeah, we can maybe take the pulse of how's our hope doing? Obviously, at Christmas time, it's the time we think of Jesus, right? Jesus is the hope of the world. And even the people singing these psalms, singing these songs, they would have, they would have thought of, wouldn't know Jesus by name, but they would have thought of, hey, some Messiah is going to come, right? That was part of, part of the scriptures, part of what they had learned is that someday, you know, a Messiah is going to come and things will be better somehow. And, you know, and I, I think it's completely human that they would think, okay, well, if the Messiah comes, he's going to make things better. And they think, well, how is he going to make things better? Right? Maybe they think, well, maybe if the Messiah comes, he'll help me get a better job. Or maybe if the Messiah comes, he'll, he'll help my family get along in a better way. Or maybe if the Messiah comes, he'll, he'll bring peace to, to my nation, he'll bring more power and influence to, to my country. You know, they had kind of these hopes for God, but really what they wanted was maybe something a bit more, um, a bit more material, right? A bit more that would benefit them. And we actually saw that when Jesus actually came, right? That the people, they hoped for the Messiah to come, what they were really hoping for was that the Messiah would make their life better. And, and it's like, and you can read this in the Bible, right? Like there, there's cases where Jesus, was, Jesus had come, right? Jesus is God in the flesh. He'd come in person. And, and people came to talk to Jesus, and they had just the craziest requests of him, right? Uh, there's a very famous story, and you can go read it, right? Where Jesus is at a person's house eating and, and, and chatting, and a woman comes in and says, Hey, Jesus... Can you make my sister help, the dish, help with the dishes? Right? This actually happened, right? It's in the Bible, right? You imagine, like, God of the universe is sitting down in your house, and you're like, hey, what I really need, like, it's good that you're here, God, but can you make my sister help me with the dishes? That was what was on her mind, right? And it maybe seems ludicrous, but if you spend any time really thinking about your own motivations, it's like, yeah, I could see where that would become just so front of mind that even if I was with God, that's the thing I'd, I'd want to have settled, Right? And, you know, in retrospect, it's all kind of silly. Um, but, you know, I think there's such a temptation that, that we, or there's such a, a reality that we don't realize that Jesus didn't come just to make things a little bit better, but he actually came because he loves us, because he loves you, and he cares about you enough that 
He's not going to get into all of what everybody else is doing, but he wants to, to, to care for you and what's wrong with you and heal you. And for sure, after that, there, there's a thousand and one things that should be better in this world that he'll give us courage and strength for. But he actually just cares about you enough that he wants to be with you and care for your problems um, before moving on to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, so, but that was the problem when Jesus came, that people just kind of stumbled over it. They thought, you know, Jesus, you should be helping make, fix my life. You should be helping make things better for me. And instead of just really trusting that if God's there and he's speaking, I should just listen and receive and, and just trust that he's going to care for me. Uh, one way I've seen this, just in the past couple of years for myself, you know, uh, about two years ago, um, well, actually, probably for the past 15 years, I've kind of had this inkling that I should move towards pastoral ministry. And I've been working with uh, Power to Change, which is a university student ministry, and working on university campuses and, and having a good time with that. But about two years ago, just some of the pieces started to come together that it was just, it was time to make a change. It was time to move on to something else. And um, I found that super confusing because it didn't feel like it was a good time in my career to make a jump. It didn't feel like it was a good time for my family. Like, can we switch churches? Would we have to move cities if I became a pastor? Would, how would that work for my kids? Would it work financially if I quit my job, move into something else? Is any of this going to work? And I remember meeting with a, a bunch of different people in my life, mentors, and, you know, they all kind of shared the same thing. They said, yeah, you know what, Willie, I think you should move towards pastoral ministry, move towards working at a church. Um, but boy, are you confused. You are really stressed out. Like, you are just, you don't know what you want here. And, you know, one thing that really helped and kind of brought clarity for me is I met with a mentor of mine. He's a man in his 60s, and he's just been walking with God, you know, for, for his entire adult life. And he kind of heard me share, you know, this is what I think God is leading, but here's all my problems. I don't know what to do with them. And uh, he, he, he shared a lot of good advice, but the one thing that I really remember from that conversation is that just towards the end, he said, you know what, I can see that you're kind of confused here, but you know what, I'm, I'm just, I'm really excited about how God is going to carry you through this. I know that God can carry you through this in a ways you don't expect and, and can lead you on. And that really stuck with me, right? I could see that, you know, my friend Mike, he'd been walking with God for so long, he'd seen God lead his family and care for his family through so many hard and complicated situations. When he said, you know, Willie, I'm excited about the mess that you're in. God's going to take care of you. It kind of sparked, I think, hope in me again, right? It was, it was kind of like I, I borrowed some hope from my friend Mike so that I could kind of step into the, into the next thing that God had for me. And what I kind of realized in that is that, you know what, I had kind of been organizing my life kind of around my resume. So I had all this years of experience at, at one place at Power to Change, and I really wanted my next step to kind of be in line, kind of keep stepping up along the same path. And so when moving to something else didn't feel like it was along that same path, I didn't know what to do. I, I, and I had to realize that, you know, if God's going to lead me into something new, it's going to be something new. It's going to be different. I'm going to have to, I have to trust him with it. And, and so I was able to kind of take the steps of, of stepping down from that, that role and, and starting to pursue pastoral, pastoral work. And, you know, and now, you know, every week I come to the 180. And I've gotten to know all, all you folks. And I think the one thing that really strikes me is just when I come in, I see my four-year-old come in, and he just runs generally right into the, right into the middle of a, a group of teenagers and just acts like they're cousins that he's known for his entire life. And I'm just rem reminded that, you know what, God can take care of me. He can take care of my family. He can, he can lead me into something new, even when I don't see a way. So God is, God is faithful, and we can put 
our hope in him. Now, the, the final thing I think we see in the Psalms of Ascent, so we've kind of got our story sorted out and our orientation where we're going, but, you know, on, on any journey, you think of the, these pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem, the, the stories that they tell would start to get interesting, generally, when something goes wrong, right? And so I think that's kind of the final thing. We just start to see not just, what's not just our direction that we're going, but what's our consolation. You know, consolation's kind of an old word, but it's, it's really a way of saying, how do you get yourself back going, back going again when things have kind of fallen apart? <clears throat> so you think of, you know, at a funeral, we really want to offer consolation. Not just, not just it's okay, but kind of help put the pieces back together so that, so that life can keep going in some way. And so that's what we, we kind of learn more about in Psalm 130, about consolation, right? How do, we, how do we keep going when it all falls apart? And in Psalm 130, uh, we read, just at the end, it says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Right? So the, the one thing that they could really look forward to, that one hope they could look forward to, was redemption. Right? That, right, that they could look towards God for unfailing love, for mercy, for kindness, and look for him to bring redemption, that he would redeem them. You know, I think that word redemption or redeem, I'm not sure if we use it a lot, or maybe we don't use it right anymore in, in society, but, you know, when I hear the word redeem, maybe we use it for redeem a coupon, or one thing I think of right away is the movie The Shawshank Redemption. I don't know if, if you guys have seen that. Um, it's a great film. Uh, you've got, it's, it's narrated by Morgan Freeman, so it just feels like weighty the whole time you're going through it. Um, but kind of the story of the Shawshank Redemption, you know, there, there's a guy, Andy Dufresne, um, he's a guy in the poster that's not Morgan Freeman. I think he's a famous actor, I don't know who he is. Um, but he's accused of a crime that he didn't commit. He's sent to the Shawshank Penitentiary, uh, fault, like under false pretenses. And, and the prison is just a violent place with, you know, corrupt guards and a corrupt warden. And it's just a horrible, horrible situation all the way around, right? But you kind of see over the course of the movie, movie this redemption, so to speak, where he kind of overcomes all these circumstances and kind of brings, um, brings a certain level of peace to himself and to those around him, right? So we kinda, maybe there's a sense of redemption just means, okay, make the best of a bad situation, right? Try to get, you know, get the best value you can from whatever situation you're in or just kind of see the silver lining in, in whatever bad is going on. But if we go look at what is going on in Psalm 130, the word redemption or redeem, it really has a more specific meaning. Right? That redemption or redeem, it means to rescue, or even more specifically, to, to pay a ransom. Right? And that's the hope that, that, that the people of God were looking for in the past, and that we can look for today. Right? This hope of a rescue. Right? So not just that we'll, we'll get better and we'll overcome it all by ourselves, we'll figure it out, we'll make the best of whatever happens to us, but the idea that there's someone that's coming to rescue us. Someone that actually cares enough to, if it's a ransom, to pay that debt, if it's a rescue to, to conquer whatever evil is against us, um, if, it's a, if it's a rescue to, to set us free, right? There's really this deep sense that God is willing to do what it takes to set us free. And that's, that's the real hope that we can look to in the upcoming year. We can look to a hope of redemption, right? That God, that Jesus will continue to set us free from whatever is binding us. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> for some of you, when we look forward to 2024, we think of redemption or when I think of redemption, I think maybe the day of redemption, the day where you experience redemption, 
probably be the hardest day of the upcoming year. And it'll be the hardest day because it's the day when you get caught, right? And that day when maybe it's an audit or a credit card statement where the numbers don't add up, or maybe someone sees your browser history and says, hey, what is this? Or you just get caught in a lie or, or some level of dishonesty, and you'll get caught. And you realize that you've broken things that you can't fix. You know, that, that, you, that things are hurting and broken in a way that, that, you, that you've hurt people, that you don't know how to make it right. And it'll, it'll feel devastating, and, and, and you'll feel done for. It'll feel hopeless. But I just want to say, when that day comes, because it will come, look to Jesus. Right? Jesus is the one that's able to fix things that we think are unfixable. He can fix, he can heal and, and fix you. But he'll also bring peace and restoration to relationships and to other people that you never that you thought could never happen, right? Maybe for others, you're already looking at 2024, and you'd say, this year, there's nothing good in it for me. You know, like it's, it's the holidays now, but you're already counting down the days until, okay, when's the first long weekend so I can get another day off work? Because I just, there's nothing good coming out of this. Or maybe you can, you can already feel in yourself that you're, you're just kind of coping, right? You have kind of coping strategies to kind of deal with life and all the, all the stresses that you're dealing with and it's just kind of bad habits to numb yourself, you know, and you say, you just feel trapped. Or maybe even over the past, past week and a bit, you've, you've seen people in your life and as you, as you left, it was a, maybe a, a bad family reunion and you came back and said, you know what? If I never see that person ever again, I'd be just fine. You know, I want to, I want to maybe be, be like my friend Mike uh, for you guys today. And if you're experiencing any of those things and say, you know, I want to maybe loan you some of my hope, right? To say, hey, like, I think you can trust God here. And, and it's a weird thing to say, but like, I'm actually excited about how God is going to, going to work in your lives in the upcoming year. Because I know that God is faithful. I know that he can make things better. We know, we can have confidence. He can make things better that we would never, never would have thought. But we need to put our trust in him and follow him and walk with him. So, yeah, I, I want to loan you some hope. And uh, just like my friend loaned it to me, loan it to you. And maybe the time will come and you can loan it, then loan it on to someone else. Um, and, and have that be kind of the foundation of our, of our year, of our 2024, as we go out and, and try to walk in a way that pleases God and, and honors him. I'd like to close now just in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you know our story and you know, you know how hard it was, how hard different things are. And, and sometimes we, we're not ready to share what's gone on in our past, but, but you brought us to this point, right? We've made it here by your grace. And, and I pray that we see, see your love in our past and see how you've taken care of us. And Father, I, I thank you that, <clears throat> that, you are, that you care for us, right? That we can, we can make our plans based on, on your love and your kindness, knowing that you are going to be loving and kind towards us. And I thank you that your love means that you'll, you, will, you will make us new, uh, that you will, you will change us if needed, you will bring a new, new perspective or new wisdom and, and new love from within that, that will change us and change the world around us. So I thank you, thank you that you're so good, and I pray that you just lead us in the upcoming year. As Willie makes his way off, can we uh, just thank him for sharing? Thanks, Willie.
If you're new here, maybe you've heard us mention it a few times, but, but Willie's role is kind of unique. It's called uh, pastoral apprentice, which is just a term that we made up. Uh, but it just, uh, as you know, he's been tracking with us for a few months now, and we're just really thankful for the ways that he's kind of using this space as part of the, the 180 to just learn and grow and discern what it means to be a pastor. And so we're really just thankful for how he's uh, just growing in his teaching and sharing with us. Uh, as he shared, just some, I think just he's modeling even in his own life uh, what it looks like to trust God and to place our hope in him. Um, I appreciate it as he shared. It reminded me of a Christmas where I asked for a whole bunch of uh, winter running gear and used none of it. So my, my wife teases me about all that all the time. But thanks to Willie, she'll probably tease me about it again. Uh, but as he shared, I think it was just so, so special to be reminded that as we, as we learn to just not miss this opportunity, I think, to reflect on the year and to recognize that even the Bible and even Christianity invites us to do that, that as we reflect, we recognize that God is faithful in ways that he can do things that we cannot do, that he works in ways that are so beyond us. And so we just pray that we continue to just learn to just share that with one another, to be encouraged uh, as we share that, but also as Willie shared that as we look forward, that we would grow in the kind of hope that says, it doesn't mean that I'm going to sit back and do nothing. As I think of this next year, I'm going to plan and prioritize my life in a way that I'm learning to trust that God can do something that I can't do because, he, because of his greater story of redemption and the greater things that he's doing in our lives, that that requires us to just give room for him, to, to just trust him in new ways, to step into things that maybe would be scary. And so Again, I want to thank Willie just for leading us in that and reminding us of those things. Hey, before you go, I just want to mention a couple things for the coming week. One is just, uh, actually, if you're here, we do have a prayer space in the corner. A uh, great prayer team who would love to just take the time to pray with you, even if it's just some things that have, have happened recently or prayers that you want to just, hey, could you pray for this in this coming year? We'd love to take the time to do that. Uh, but we'd love also, as well just for next week for you to j- join us for... Uh, as we gather on Sunday, back to our usual 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock times. Um, but one of the things we're doing is uh, celebrating communion together. And so just a really, really special way to start the year, committing to gathering and taking communion and uh, really paying attention to what God's doing in our lives. And so we hope you can join us for that. But before we go, why don't we just uh, I pray, invite you to pray with us one more time. And we'll go. Let's pray. God, as Willie shared, we thank you for uh, the opportunity to look back and to see how you've been faithful as we share stories with one another of your faithfulness, as we even recognize how we're part of the greater story of how you were faithful to your people long ago and how you invite us into that. And so we just want to be people who, and want to be a church who continue to grow as we think of this next year in being shaped by hope that is rooted in God, what you are doing and what alone you can do through Jesus. And, uh, and so we just, um, again, thank you for this time. And as we look ahead to the coming year, we do that you would continue to go before us as you always do and help us to just keep in step with you and to trust you in new ways in this coming year. So be with us as we go. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks everyone. Thanks for being with us and we'll see you next week. Have a great week.